Welcome to episode number 670 of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the Welcome back, my friend. It has been a little while, and I'm super excited to bring to you this 670th episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And I am super excited to tell you that I have launched my 41st podcast into the world. That's right. A brand new podcast was just launched today, Saturday, October 23rd, 2021, and it is all about the mastermind principle and mastermind groups. If you've been listening to my content for any length of time, you know that I have absolutely benefited more than anything else in my life, with the exception of my relationship with my creator and my relationship with my wife, outside of those two things, nothing else has led to more success in my life than my participation in mastermind group alliances. Specifically, the powerful experience of the Green Room Mastermind, but then, of course, also hosting and facilitating more than three decades of mastermind groups. And I say more than three decades because my leading of mastermind groups, I did the math, goes all the way back to 1991. I did not have the language of mastermind groups. I had never heard it termed the mastermind principle, but... I certainly have been leading and facilitating mastermind groups and benefiting from them greatly for more than 30 years of my life. Now, recently, I made the decision I'm going to create niche podcasts about anything and everything that I'm deeply passionate about. Not that I have to keep going and creating weekly content about all of these different podcasts. You might be saying, Cliff, how on earth do you have 41 podcasts? Well, what if I actually launch a podcast about a particular topic and I want to put out 5, 10, or 15 episodes about that topic and just let those sit out there forever? Well, I've been doing that. I recently launched a podcast called Cliff's Notes on Profitable Coaching, which you can find over at notesoncoaching.com if you happen to be somebody who is interested in growing a profitable coaching business. And of course, I recently relaunched or brought to the world the all-new version of the Podcast Answer Man podcast, which you can find at podcastanswerman.com, and of course, I've got a bunch of other shows. You can see the list over on my website, cliffravenscraft.com, but now, effective today, I just launched the 41st show 
in my lineup titled Upgrade Your Peer Group, The Power of Mastermind Groups. In this episode, I'm going to play for you that first episode. Now, episode number two of the Upgrade Your Peer Group podcast is already available online as well. But if you want episode number two, which by the way is a conversation between myself and Pat Flynn, how we first met each other, how our relationship developed over a fairly short period of time to where we made an agreement to enter in to a mastermind group alliance relationship with one another with a very intent purpose on taking our business efforts and our personal lives to whole new levels of success, absolutely committed to helping each other succeed and how that grew over time. If you'd like to learn about the origin story of the Green Room Mastermind, then you're gonna wanna check out episode number two of the Upgrade Your Peer Group podcast, which is already online at UpgradeYourPeerGroup.com. Now, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and give you episode number one of the Upgrade Your Peer Group podcast right here. You may have seen the title of episode 670. It might have captured your attention. How applying for food stamps almost put an end to my self-employed business journey. This is a story that previously I had been maybe too embarrassed to speak about publicly. And I had only shared this story with a handful of people over the years, some one-on-one coaching clients. I've shared it in mastermind group meetings. I've shared it in one or two of our next level workshop, building an online business programs that we've done and a handful of other places, but it was <laughs> it was back in the day when I really was overly concerned about what everybody thought about me. I wanted to impress people, and I had all kinds of weird things about just that part of my story, about the fact that my first year in business, things were so uh, challenging for me that I was about ready to go and apply for food stamps. And if you want to hear the rest of the story, you just want to listen to the rest of this episode. This is a story that now I'm more than happy to talk about anything and everything publicly. I've come to a place in my life where I've grown so much, where I'm just not so much concerned about making an incredible impression, or at least certainly, I, I, I still want to make a good impression on you. But the one thing I know is that Being authentic and transparent about my story is the best way that I can just tell you, this is who I am. This is my story. These are the things that I've done. And I'm no longer concerned about how people might perceive certain things that I've done in the past. So with that being said, here now is the very first episode of the Upgrade Your Peer Group podcast right now. Well, hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Upgrade Your Peer Group podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft and this is a podcast devoted to understanding the power of the mastermind principle and mastermind groups. Now, in this first episode, I am going to give you quite a bit of my own backstory. Some of you who have been following me for many years think, 
I've heard your story before, Cliff. That's fine, but I promise you there is at least one detail. It's very likely that you've not heard in this story. But I also recognize with this being a very new podcast, episode number one, this might be the first time you've ever heard my voice. You may have never heard my name before, but you've tuned into this podcast because it is all about mastermind groups, and I am eager to share with you so many things in the future. But I do want to share with you my story today because throughout the episodes, I'm going to be giving you even more stories of my own involvement of the mastermind principle and mastermind groups. I'm also going to share with you stories of hundreds of other people where they have case stories of their how their lives have been radically transformed as a result of the mastermind principle and mastermind groups. Now, just to let you know where I am today. As I'm recording this very first episode on Friday, October 22nd, 2021, I am 16 years into a full-time self-employed lifestyle. I could never imagine going back. And in my online business journey, it did not start off easy being full-time self-employed. That'll become obvious as I tell you this story. But I will tell you that over time, and through the use of the mastermind principle, unconsciously at first, but then very consciously and intentionally using the mastermind principle and mastermind groups, I've been able to do things like help more than 40,000 people around the world successfully launch a podcast through a business that I started. I have generated millions of dollars in revenue through my own self-employed business. And just a few years ago, I made a decision to shut down 100% of all the streams of income in a business that I spent more than a decade known as the podcast answer man, shutting all of that down to pursue what I do today, which is paid coaching, paid mastermind groups, and where I entertain, educate, and encourage people through the brand mindset answer man. So I share with you the fact that today I've achieved an incredible amount of success, but I attribute a majority of my success to my use of the mastermind principle and specifically intentional mastermind groups. Now, with that out of the way, I want to just, again, tell you, my name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm a guy who nobody ever heard of outside of Northern Kentucky prior to 2005. And so here are some details that I think will help you understand the gravity of the one experience of the mastermind principle and a mastermind group that I created that I wasn't even aware of the fact that this was the principle that was bringing about success in my life. And I I had never heard the term mastermind group when I created this group that I'm going to tell you about today. Here are some things to know about me before you can fully understand the story, and I'll go through these as quickly as possible. First of all, I am a tech geek. I am one of those people you would call an early adopter of technology. Now, it's only looking backwards where I'm able to see the connecting dots, and as I look backward, I see that my fascination with technology has always been around this idea that I can use technology to communicate with others and specifically expand exponentially the distance at which I'm able to communicate with others. 
So maybe back when I was a kid, it might have been a CB radio, and the fact that I could broadcast my voice a few miles down the road, all the way to where we are today, where I can actually speak into this microphone, upload this audio recording to the internet, and anyone on the planet can listen to my voice. My life has always been about entertaining, educating, encouraging, and inspiring other people. That's just who I am. I'm clear that that's my purpose. That's why I was put on this planet. Ever since I was a kid, I've always had this mindset or some kind of just an essence of who I am that desired to be of service to others. You might call it ministry to others from perhaps a religious or a faith-based or from what was originally my Christian upbringing. So from the time I was a kid, I always wanted to encourage and inspire people. I always wanted to help people. I always wanted to serve people. And that'll become even more evident in this story. Now, another thing to know about me is that I've lived the life of an employee all the way up until I was 35 years old. Now, I'm 48 years old as I am now recording this, but all the way up to the age of 35, I had never known anything other than being an employee. That idea that I would show up, I would do the job that I've committed to doing, and as long as I show up and I do my job, there is a paycheck no matter what. There's a guaranteed minimum that I'm going to be paid, and the more I, the harder that I work, and I had all sorts of limiting mindsets about money, but the harder I work, the more I'd get paid. The more I did, the more effort I put in, the more I'd get paid. Sometimes, the more I hate what I do, the more I get paid. And that leads into other stories that'll be told another time, but just a little bit of a background. But just to know that I lived the life of an employee until age 35, and up until age 35, I really never imagined my life as anything other than being an employee. Although, I had some sort of cognitive dissonance with this whole idea of taking over a family business, which I will talk about here in just a moment. So there are three major events that took place when I was 23 years old. This is in 1996. Event number one, I got married to this amazing woman, Stephanie Ravenscraft. She is absolutely phenomenal. She is my soulmate, and I can't tell you just how much I am in love with this woman. We have now been married for more than 25 years, and it's just been an incredible journey. The second event that took place in 1996, when I was 23 years old, I made a decision that I would devote my life to full-time Christian ministry, at least my understanding of it. I decided to begin the path of study that I believed would ultimately lead me to becoming a full-time pastor, a head pastor of my very own church one day. Right around that same time I began those studies, I started working for the family business. Now, my parents owned an insurance agency, an extremely successful independent insurance agency. This insurance agency was actually started by my grandfather in 1937, and then my dad took it over from him. The business was all paper-driven. 
Imagine everything they ever did to quote insurance policies. What are your rates? How much is it going to cost? And and what is the cost with this deductible versus that deductible? And all of these other factors of your age and, and your driving experience and all this stuff. All of these calculations had to be made on pieces of paper where you're opening a manual, getting all these reference numbers, you're filling all this stuff out, manually calculating all these numbers together, and hopefully you've got the right quote at the end. It was all paper-driven. In 1996, my mom and dad came to me and says, hey, can we convince you to come work for the family business? We would love to help you help us understand how we can get these Windows 95 computers and do something called networking. We just bought this software. It's called an agency management software system. It's supposedly going to allow us to do all of our quotes with a computer. It's also going to allow us to store all of our client data in this computer system. And we have no idea how any of this stuff works You've been a gifted at technology since you were a kid. Would you come and help us figure this out? And I told my mom and dad, yes, I will come work for you on two conditions. Number one, that you'll never expect me to get any insurance license, life, health, business, insurance, auto home, none of that. As long as you'll never expect me to get my insurance license because I have no desire to be in this family business other than the fact that I'm really attracted by the idea of getting paid to do tech work because that sounds very appealing to me. The second condition is also that if I'm ever offered a ministry position full-time, no matter how much less money I might be offered in that position compared to what I might be making in the family business, you must give me your full endorsement. You must absolutely say, yes, Cliff, we fully encourage you and support you in pursuing your dream of being a full-time pastor. And they said, sure. And so I agreed to come work for them and began setting up their insurance stuff. Now, there are a few other random pieces of information. I'm not telling you my full story here. It's not essential. Uh, There have been many other podcasts I've created over the years where I've told my full story. But here are some details that that will give you a little bit of the foundation to understand this first well, not first even, this very specific mastermind group that I created, that my story and my involvement in it and how it actually helped me get to where I am today. So here are some of those other details. Up until 1996, I was terrible at managing money. I brought an incredibly large amount of debt into my marriage relationship with my wife, Stephanie. Now, my terrible money management extended into the first several years of our marriage, and we massively increased our debt together. (laughs) Also, by this time in 1996, right as I began to study for ministry, the church also hired me as an associate pastor. I was in the Nazarene Church at the time, and one of the requirements for me to become licensed as a minister in that church was that I have X number of years of paid ministry position as an associate pastor. So they agreed to bring me on to fulfill that commitment, but it was a small church. As a result of that, they didn't have lots of money, and so they said, hey, we'll just pay you enough to cover your housing expense, which it didn't even cover our rent, but You know, the whole idea was that they were doing this to meet the needs, and I was happy to do it. I'm actually being paid pretty well at the the family business, so everything's kind of fine. 
Well, we move forward a couple of years and I become an over-glorified file clerk. Remember how I told you everything was all paper filing and they hired me to bring them into the digital age? Well, I got them into the digital age, but there were laws and requirements that stated that you must have paper backups of everything. So even though everything was digitally in this computer now, we still had to have a paper copy for everything. So it just so happens that they were they were printed on printers now instead of handwritten copies of all this paperwork. But we still had to have physical papers on everything. The computer stuff was all up and running. I got everything figured out. Once I learned all the TCPIPs and, and the interrupt protocols and got all these things figured out, learned how to do tape, <laughs> tape backups. Oh my goodness, good old days. But I, at that point, the, the computer system's working flawlessly and now I'm just filing papers. I never would have imagined in my life me ever intentionally choosing to be a file clerk. This is not what I want to do with my life. I was teaching everybody in the office, all these agents that were working for my parents, I was teaching them how to do quotes. And so I'm actually doing all of these quotes and my dad comes to me one day and he says, hey, it's clear that you and your wife uh, are going to grow your family. We already had our first child at this point and she was definitely leaning towards wanting to become a stay-at-home mom, which she did when we had our second child. It became clear that our expenses were going up. It became clear that there was money to be had if I were to get my insurance license. And they said, listen, right now you're doing all of this work to do these quotes. You're putting in all of this data into a computer system. You're printing out the quotes You're doing about 95% of the work of selling an insurance policy. The only thing that you're not doing is giving the client the price, asking them if they want to purchase, and having them sign an application. Those are the only three things that you're not doing. You're doing everything else. I know you don't want to get your license, but if you just went and got your license, I'll tell you what, we'll continue to pay you salary, and we'll just pay you an additional commission on each policy that you sell. In May of 1998, I got what was at the time called my general lines insurance license, eventually became known as your property and casualty license. That means that I was able to sell auto, home, motorcycle, and business insurance. And then, of course, my income increased massively. And also, as an insurance agent, I actually was able to be there at the time of need for people who, let's just say their home just burned to the ground or their home was taken out by a tornado or some other significant crisis moment in their life. For example, somebody's child who was just involved in a massive car accident. And here I am talking to these people at their deepest moments of crisis, and I began to realize, it's like, wow, I'm being paid incredibly well as an insurance agent, and as their insurance agent, these people are actually coming to me and saying, hey, Cliff, I've just experienced this, and I'm the first point of contact in, quote-unquote, encouraging them and and helping them in a moment of need. And I began to see, it's like, wait a second, I'm paid incredibly well here, and I am really speaking to people in crisis moments, and I'm having deep conversations, I'm being of deep service, and 
and not to not to say that I didn't actually have an impact in people's lives throughout the church work that I was doing, but it seemed that I was having a greater exposure to opportunities to speak into people's lives at the deepest level through my work as an insurance agent. And of course, my perspective on seeing my work as an insurance agent as my greatest ministry opportunity in the world grew exponentially when I made the decision in July 2001 to get my life insurance license. At this point, I had discovered Dave Ramsey, and he had this program called the Total Money Makeover Plan. My wife and I decided to start this plan to begin a journey of becoming debt-free. I learned all about the power of buying term life insurance, investing the difference, and creating this baby step plan for how to become debt-free. I began teaching my clients this, and as a result of that, and also as a result of some incredible sales training that I went through over the years. I mean, I've introduced to some of the best sales training programs that are on the market or were on the market at the time. And as a result of that, um, over the next several years, my income increased exponentially. I was teaching hundreds of my clients in my geographic area how to become debt-free. I was selling so much insurance that in one year I sold over a million dollars of revenue with just one of the many companies that I represented. And that was in property casualty lines of business. And on the life insurance side, I had sold so much life insurance, term life insurance only. I never sold anything other than term life insurance. But I had sold so much term life insurance that I was in the top 10 out of 14,000 agents with Grange Life Insurance and in the top 50 out of 48,000 life insurance agents with Auto Owners Life Insurance. All three of those, so over a million dollars in revenue with State Auto, top 10 of Grange Life, top 10 of Auto Owners Life, all three of those achievements in the same year. So I was an incredibly successful, powerful insurance agent and sales person, and I saw it as my greatest ministry in the world. And I was loving it. It just seemed to be, man, this is a great service to others, and I'm also, at, at some point, we become completely debt-free, and, and just like we're making a lot of income, and I'm, I'm there. I'm serving people. I mean, there are people who purchase life insurance from me. There were times when I actually had somebody that I sold life insurance to. When I brought up the initial conversation, they were opposed to the idea of life insurance, but here I am talking to the spouse of that person a couple years later, and and unfortunately, they were collecting uh, that 250000 or 350000 or half million or $1.5 million life insurance policy that I had sold them. While it was incredibly painful, and I was, but I was there in these deepest crisis moments of people's lives, and I loved my role in the community. I felt this was my greatest ministry, and so I'm still selling insurance a decade into being involved in associate ministry. I still, at this point, had never asked any of the churches where I ever pastored that, you know, you need to pay me income. In fact, actually, once I left the Nazarene Church, which was after about two or three years into my pursuit of full-time ministry, when I went to the next two places that I, I ministered in, 
I never took any income from them because I didn't need it. I was very successful as an insurance agent. And at and slowly over time, it became clear that I just don't know that being the full-time pastor of my own church is actually what I feel called to be in this world. I still feel called to full-time ministry, being of service to others, being a source of encouragement and inspiration and, and of service to them. So that's where I was. And and everything was going great until, <laughs> everything was going great until December 2005 when everything in my world changed. It's where everything about me collided. My early adoption of technology, my love of communication, my desire to be of service and ministry and encouragement and inspiration to others, All of those things came together and created a perfect storm for a major transition that needed to take place in my life, to take me on to the next chapter of my life. What happened in December 2005 is I started my very own podcast. I had learned about podcasting in in the summer of 2005, but in December 2005, I started podcasting as a hobby with my wife, Stephanie, about a TV show called Lost. (laughs) And through what had to be a divinely inspired series of events, my wife and I gained over 27,000 subscribers by our third episode. And that quickly grew to over 60,000 subscribers. And so if you can imagine a world of people out there who never heard the name Cliff Ravenscraft outside of Northern Kentucky, there might have been a few hundred people outside of Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area who had read my blog. There might have been a few hundred people who had been logged into a BBS bulletin board service or had maybe been a part of my very first chat experiences in America online rooms and all that other stuff. But this is the first time here my voice, my message, my heart is being shared with tens of thousands of people around the world. And as a result of this, my wife and I are podcasting about a television show where there's an episode called Tabula Rasa, all about the opportunity to start over your life at any point with a clean slate, Tabula Rasa, clean slate. There was an episode called All Good Cowboys Have Daddy Issues, and my wife and I shared experiences of our daddy issues. And just for the record here, the father and the family-run insurance agent that I've been talking about is my dad, Jack Lilly. And you may be thinking, well, Jack Lilly, okay, and your name's Cliff Ravenscraft. Well, Jack Lilly is my dad. He adopted me after my biological dad passed away in 2015. He had been my dad since I was five years old. He had been my stepdad up until he adopted me as an adult. But my original biological dad, which I love uh, and, and I am so thankful for who he was in my life, he did absolutely the best he could with what he had to work with in life. But throughout my entire lifetime, from the time I was born until he passed away in 2015, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict and had lots of issues and there were lots of circumstances. And so in the, can you imagine me sitting there in a podcast about a TV show talking about the fact that I totally resonate with this whole idea that all good cowboys have daddy issues. <laughs> I've had, I've got my daddy issues. And so my wife and I are talking about life issues, talking about finances, talking about starting over with clean slates, starting up, talking about faith. There was an episode called the 23rd Psalm 
And so it just gave us an opportunity to speak to this audience in the tens of thousands about the daily average topics of life, about the human condition. And we're just sharing our lives authentically, transparently. And as a result of that, hundreds of emails from all over the globe are coming in. As a result of trying to respond to everyone who's asking, it's like, Cliff, can you tell me more about this? I'm so encouraged by this. I have a question. Can you help me figure out how to implement this thing that you and your wife talked about? And so I tried to keep up with those emails individually. Finally, there was a theme of emails that came up. It was the same questions over and over again. Eventually, I started launching other podcasts on various other topics like technology, social media, business, Mac computers, faith and family. So we started launching all of these other podcasts around all these other topics because we knew that there was all of these emails, the same kind of emails. Can you tell us how to become debt-free? Can you tell us about how you came to believe in God? Can you tell us about how you handle communication in your marriage? Can you tell us about your parenting? This isn't going to make for great content in a podcast about a television show. So we launched all of these other podcasts. And before too long, within the first two years, I've got like 10 different podcasts. We're putting out about seven to 15 podcast episodes a week. And we're in the hundreds of thousands of people who are listening to our various shows at this point. Eventually, it became clear that this podcasting stuff, or at least what was happening through the podcasting work, just like it became clear that my insurance career was my greatest opportunity for ministry in the world, well beyond what the local congregational gathering called the local church could offer me. It now became clear that in this next season of my life, it's what's available to me through this podcasting space and through this online content creation world that is allowing me my greatest opportunity for ministry in the world. I am now reaching hundreds of thousands of people around the world every single day of the week. This is mind-blowing. Eventually, there came a question that popped up in my mind. And at first, I was I was terrified to say it out loud, but it kept coming up in my mind, and I just thought it over and over again. And that question changed everything. And the question was this, what would life be like if I could do this for a living instead of selling insurance? What would life be like if I could do this for a living instead of being involved in this family business? It seemed like an innocent little dream at first, but what was only a spark in my mind As I continued to ponder the question, as I I continued to dream about it, it became an all-consuming desire, one that there was no way that this fire was ever going to be put out. And eventually, I began to see the work as an insurance agent, as a distraction from what I felt most called to do in this world. Now, I was generating some income from all of this podcast work that I was doing on the side. We were getting lots of donations from people all over the world. They're like, man, I would just want to contribute to what you're doing here. One person sent us a check for $12,000, by the way. I'll tell that story another time, maybe. We had advertisers like DirecTV, Time Warner Cable, and all kinds of other advertisers who just said, hey, we'll pay you X number of dollars per episode just to mention our products and services. We had sponsor relationships with people who 
like a Mardell Christian store who sponsored Family from the Heart, I think, for eight years or something like that. I had podcast coaching and consulting. People had reached out and said, can you teach me how to create these podcasts and how you're able to produce so much content? How are you able to edit a show so quickly and get it online? Can you teach me, Cliff? And so people were paying me to teach them through podcast coaching and consulting. I was making something called affiliate income. And this isn't a show about affiliate income, but I can teach you about that another time in another podcast somewhere someday. There were just other miscellaneous streams of revenue that I saw that I could potentially pursue, and also I began talking about this whole dream of leaving the family business and freeing myself so that those 40 to 50 hours a week that I'm in the insurance office, I'm not tied to sending proof of insurance cards. I'm not tied to filling out applications. I'm not putting in change requests. I'm not inputting all of this stuff and all of these other things that I was doing. It's like, man, I'd much rather read these emails, put together an outline for a podcast episode. I'd much rather respond to a couple of emails, host a couple of live streams. All of this stuff is what I'd rather do. I'd rather entertain, educate, encourage, and inspire people. And I believe that I could make money doing it, but it seems so irresponsible. So I started talking about this in one of my podcasts. At the time, it was called Pursuing a Balanced Life, I think. It might have been called My Crazy Life at the time. But anyway, it was an audio journal podcast where I just talked about what was going on in my experience of life. And I said, guys, this is my dream. What would life be like if I could do this full time? It seems so irresponsible to me. I've lived my entire life up to this point as an employee. I am the sole income earner for my family. I have three young children. Stephanie's a stay-at-home mom. We've just recently become debt-free. And yeah, I'm generating a few thousand dollars a month on the side. But it's nothing compared to what I'm making as an insurance agent. And I'm next in line to take over the, the business from my dad. Uh, but I, it just doesn't make sense for me to do this. And people in my audience would say, hey, Cliff, I'm willing to jump on the phone and just encourage you. I had these people who were entrepreneurs. They, I've never had a day job in my life, and I've always been self-employed. And let me tell you, you've got everything it takes to make it. I would come home and I would tell my wife about those things. And here I am thinking, man, I am not, I just can't see myself as a business owner which is crazy because my dad's a business owner. My dad's self-employed. My dad's an entrepreneur. He took over the, he owns his own business and the paperwork has already been drawn up. I'm next in line. If anything happened to my dad or if my dad retires, I own this business. But I don't know that I ever consciously put that all together. I'm thinking my dad's gonna live forever and sure, I'm next in line, but eh, yeah, whatever. I think there might have been something in me that says, I don't know that I actually wanna own an insurance business. I know that I'm really good at selling insurance. I don't know that I wanna own it and have all of the stuff that goes along with managing these employees. And unfortunately, there was many times when I had to play the role of agency manager And I was responsible for hiring people, and I, unfortunately, throughout my decade of in the family business, I fired many people. That was never fun. I never liked any of those things. That didn't seem to be the encouraging ministry service work that I felt called to do in this world. It it became clear that my day job is now a distraction, 
I can't imagine myself doing anything other than what I feel most called to do in this world. And I just became miserable, absolutely miserable in the day job. It happened slowly over time, but eventually my career as an insurance agent, it was absolutely soul-sucking. Every single day I went in, I'm like, how soon before I leave here? So in September 2007, I came home after one of those soul-sucking days, and my wife says to me, you have to leave. You have to leave the insurance business. You need to go in tomorrow, tell your dad you're leaving, and we both know that this is what you and I are called to create in this world. And and Stephanie was absolutely, she saw the vision of what we were being called to create in this world together as a married couple, and she knows that this is what I'm called to do. There were other people in my life that were very supportive of me making this decision, and my wife says, you've got to do it. So I went in the next day, fully expecting my dad's going to try to talk me out of this. And I said, Dad, I want to put my 90-day notice in. And I'm freaking out as I'm saying the words. And he says, man, I've been waiting for months for you to come tell me this. I said, you have? And he says, yeah, you are built for what you're doing. You are going to succeed in doing what you love far greater than what you could ever succeed here in the insurance business. Don't get me wrong, you know what's possible here, but personally, you will never be able to make an insurance as much income as you'll be able to generate doing what you feel most called to do in this world. So go do it. You could always come back here. If you ever need to come back here, that's always available for you. You have to go do this. You don't want to get anywhere down the road and say, what would life been like if I would have actually pursued my passion? Just go do it. You can always come back here, but I'm going to just write, tell you right now, I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. You'll never come back. And that's what my dad said. And so thus began my 90-day notice, some of the most challenging emotional seasons of my life. Wow. I didn't know it at the time, but what I was about ready to do coming out of that meeting with my dad was I was about ready to create a mastermind group that would actually help me achieve the successful transition from the mindset of an employee to becoming to having that mindset of a business owner. And so here's what I was naturally drawn to create. I had already been in ministry leading small groups, and so I already knew the power of a small group. I've never heard of a mastermind group before. I had never heard of the mastermind principle, at least as with the language mastermind principle. Now, I did hear the principle that Jesus spoke about that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, and anything that they ask for will be granted to them. Technically speaking, there's a whole lot to be said about that statement as it relates to the mastermind principle. And we'll get much deeper into that in future episodes. Looking back, and again, hindsight is 2020, connecting the dots, looking backwards, I can see that the mastermind principle has always been something that has helped me reach new levels of success in any transformation I've ever wanted to make in my life. But I want to specifically talk about going from 35 years as an employee into full-time self-employment. I had to change that mindset. So what I decided to do was to create, the in the language that I called, a business advisory team. 
That's what I called it, a business advisory team. I knew that I needed to surround myself with people who believed in the vision of what I was creating because I knew that there were a lot of people in my life or there were people who were in my peer group at the time who really did not understand what I was doing. When I did bring up the idea that I might leave my career as an insurance agent, they're like, what? Are you crazy? That sounds ridiculous. Eventually, I just realized, it's like, okay, there's a certain group of people, a majority of the people whom I consider to be my peers, my friends that I turn to and that I typically allow to speak into my life with their thoughts and beliefs. I I let them influence the way that I see the world. I recognize these people who are my peers, that, that are my closest friends that I spend the most time with. I'm recognized that I'm not going to be able to make this transition over these 90 days if I speak to them about what I'm doing. Now, have you ever been in a situation like that where you realize that the people that you've surrounded yourself with are not going to be able to support you in making a transition into something that they don't believe is possible for you to achieve? That is the danger of not upgrading your peer group. You see, when I finally did hear about mastermind groups, I heard two very well-known quotes. There was this guy named Jim Rohn. He was a motivational speaker, life and success, personal development guy, guru, whatever you want to call him. He was Tony Robbins' mentor. He was well-known for having said this quote often. He said, You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you think about this, if you look financially, look at the people that you engage with the most as far as in meaningful conversations about just the daily routine things of life, whether it be your family, your career, your work, your physical fitness and health and just the your, your all the different areas of your life. If you were to look at the various areas of your life and you were to say, hey, where are you financially? Maybe you take the tax returns for the five people you spend the most time with and find out what their adjusted gross income is for the year and then look at yours. You add those five people together, add all of their totals together, divide it by five. Chances are that number is going to be pretty close to what your average revenue is on a yearly basis because you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. There are obviously exceptions to this rule, but what I have learned when I actually did learn about this much later on in my business journey I learned that that's actually true for a majority of the time. It's been true of where I am in my physical fitness and health. It's where I am in my financial life. It's where I am in my relationship with my wife and my kids as compared to my uh, how much I'm devoted to time, effort, and energy spent in work. Just all of the different areas. I recognized when I first heard you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, that was true. And then there was Tony Robbins. Now, Jim Rohn was Tony Robbins' mentor. And when I first heard Tony Robbins speak about peer groups and mastermind groups, he said it this way. He says, the quality of your life will be a direct reflection of the expectations of your peer group. Now, I wanted to achieve a different quality of life. 
I wanted to achieve a quality of life as a successful, financially profitable business owner. But my quality of life previous to that was a very successful, highly profitable employee, typical standard industry professional, one that people can understand how you make a living and the service that you provide to others. So as an insurance agent, people understood the types of services that I offered. They knew how that added value to the world at large, how I am compensated, and it seemed to be an acceptable means of generating income. And since all of my peer groups were also employees, they also understood that I was an employee. And so the expectations from all of my peers is that I would be an employee just like they're an employee, that I would always stay in a standard, typical professional career with an industry that's well-known and well-accepted and seems responsible and all this other stuff because they're all in their industries, whether it be financial planning or whether it be, you know, in all of the other service industries that people know that are reputable, if you will. So my peer group wanted to keep me there. So when I began talking about leaving my incredibly lucrative, very professional career as an insurance agent to go do something that I've been doing as a hobby, something called podcasting, and they didn't even know what a, what, what, do you have, don't you have to have an iPod for that is the thing most of those people said. And so it became clear that I needed to upgrade my peer group. I needed to surround myself with people who understood, number one, what the heck it is that I'm doing, what I'm building, and also people who understood business. So what I decided is I was going to create a group of 10 people, and it just so happened that I surrounded myself with men in this group, although I realized, looking back, it didn't have to all be men, but I created a group of 10 men. One of those people was Chad Cadell. He was my pastor at the time. He was that guy who says, Cliff, dude, I totally see you doing this full time. You come alive when you get behind a microphone. This It's clear you were meant to do this work. As a pastor, Chad also knew many people in his church who were business people, and he had been in ministry, and so he had lots of experience with full-time, self-employed business owners. His dad was the founder of Heritage Bank, which was a big, huge, gigantic bank institution with so many branches. So he watched his dad as an entrepreneur. He says, anything I could ever do to be of service to you, Cliff, I can set you up meetings with my dad and he can answer questions for you, which by the way, he did. And then there was a guy that just became a CEO of a local company. And he used to work for many years as a very senior executive at Toyota. And he was a friend of mine. And I invited him to be in this mastermind group. He obviously knows, you know, if he's just been hired on to be the CEO of this and he's been leading teams of people at Toyota for so many years and all this stuff, he's got to know a lot about business. So let me invite him and he agreed to join. And, and so I started choosing people that could really support me in this. And then I chose this one other guy who, you know, is like, hey, Cliff, I've got an MBA in business. And he's like, Cliff, I'm happy to be of service to you. And sounds like you've got to support all these people. Yeah, count me in. So now I have these 10 people. And there's a reason why at the beginning I told you that I've since created, in the last 16 years, I've 
helped lead more than 40,000 people how to create a podcast. I have had multiple streams of income where each stream of income has generated millions of dollars of revenue. So I'm incredibly successful as far as what I've been able to create in this world, but I would never have got here today had it not been for the mastermind principle, had it not been for this mastermind group. I didn't have that language I didn't know the terminology of mastermind group back then, but had I not upgraded my peer group and surrounded myself with people to help me towards my goal, my desired definite outcome of making the transition from mindset of employee to mindset of profitable business owner, I would have never made it had it not been for me upgrading my peer group to this mastermind group. And this first episode is challenging for me to tell you because I used to be so embarrassed by this part about my story. I only told it to a handful of my clients and now I'm going public with it. I may have gone public with it once or twice in the past, but never really promoted those episodes, but I'm heavily gonna promote this podcast, the Upgrade Your Peer Group podcast, because it's important, this mastermind principle and and understanding the power of healthy mastermind group environments. And I'm gonna share many episodes in the future on how to create a healthy mastermind group environment. So here's the story that used to be too embarrassing for me to tell, but I'm gonna share it with you now. I gathered these 10 people together and I created this thing called a Google group. And this is the technology back in the day was I just used email to stay in conversation with these people. I was like, I respect your time. I don't wanna schedule meetings for us all to meet. I'm gonna make this super easy. If you will just allow a couple of emails every now and then, there'll be flurries of emails, but I will make sure that those flurries of emails are spread apart. I won't you know, be in your inbox all the time. So here's how it's gonna work. I'm gonna add all of you to this email group with this thing called Google Groups, I'm going to have a special email address that I email, and when I email that group, all 10 of you are going to get the email. If any of you just simply hit reply on the email, everybody in the group, including myself, will get your response, and then, of course, everybody else can hit reply, and that's how there's going to be this flurry of responses, but this is how I'm going to get feedback and advice and bounce ideas off of you guys. And so this was, this is kind of my mastermind group environment was an email thread using Google groups. And of course, I was consistently in the hot seat. This mastermind group was specifically where everybody was committed to my success. This was just how that group was formed and why it was formed. And there's lots of different ways you can create mastermind groups. There is no right way to create it. There's no, well, there may be some wrong ways to create it. And we'll talk about those in future episodes as well. So what happened was I had all sorts of ups and downs during those 90 days. At one point I said, hey guys, I'm kind of freaking out. I don't know that I'm ready to make the big leap yet. And somebody in the group says, have you ever thought about going to your dad and asking him if you could just continue working in the office, but just work two days a week or three days a week? So I went to my dad and I said, hey, dad, how about this? You know, how about January 1st? I work here Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I have every Tuesday and Thursday off. And that way, every Tuesday and Thursday and on the weekends, and then during my evening hours, I can build my business up. And my dad says to me, you're either in or you're out. You got to make up your mind. You cannot serve two masters. You either put 100% of your effort into making this business a success or you put 100% of your effort into your work as an insurance agent. 
Now, there might be scenarios where maybe that advice isn't the best advice, but that was the advice that I was given, and it turned out to be powerful advice for me. And so I said, okay, Dad, thank you. I appreciate that. I am effective January 1st, 2008. I am full-time self-employed. I'm out of here. He says, great, awesome. Well, thankfully, because we had become debt-free and because of as much money as I've saved up in an emergency fund and I was very successful as an insurance agent, things were really well. As a result of that, I was able to go for the first nine months of my business without actually having to draw a paycheck, which was good because the business was just barely paying enough to pay for all of its overhead and, and all this other stuff. And I'm freaking out about learning how taxes work and I'm trying to figure out charging people money for something that I love to do. I used to believe that the more difficult what I do is, the more I should get paid and here I'm loving what I do. What I'm doing is easy. It comes naturally to me and so I feel like I'm not earning money and I talk all about this in my opening Free the Dream address. If you ever have heard of my Free the Dream conference, uh, you can see that over at mindsetanswerman.com slash free, my money hangups. I used to throw $300 bills into the trash can all the time. You can see that at mindsetanswerman.com slash free if you want that whole story about my money mindset. The situation is, is that after the first year of business, I made $11,000 net income. So I only paid myself after the first nine months. For the final three months, if you added up those three paychecks, Total net after taxes, $11,000 is what I brought home. And I worked my rear end off. And by the way, I ended up in the hospital because of all the anxiety and stress that I had. I mean, my transition from employee mindset to business owner mindset, it was not an easy transition. And I leaned heavily into these folks. And one of the biggest challenges I had was right around the three to four month rate, I got to the place where it became clear that my savings was going to be depleted pretty quickly. I had a retirement account that I could pull from, but I had always been taught that it's illegal to pull from that, or at least you pay major penalties and major tax consequences. So that's that's an untouchable source is what my mindset was back then. There was one time where no matter how much, it just seemed like, ah. Oh, Okay, it's still getting challenging, and we've got three young kids, and I'm not bringing any income in, and we're running out of our reserves. I went to my Google group, and I said, somebody has made a suggestion that I apply for food stamps, and they said that if I apply for food stamps, given my situation where I am currently, that pretty much that will cover all of our food expenses, and I could go apply, and for three months, everything that we would need for our family when it comes to food would be covered by government assistance, this, these food stamps. The very first person to respond was the MBA guy, the last guy that had joined this group, my business advisory team. Now, I got to tell you that in my earliest childhood, remember I told you that my dad from the time I was born until he passed away in 2015, he had struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism. Well, when I grew up, I grew up in government housing and I grew up in, you know, with a family on food stamps and all of this other stuff. And then over time, I, throughout 
my experiences and hearing what people said about food stamps and people on food stamps and I had all sorts of negative associations in my mind about what it means to be on food stamps. That this somehow means you're not a provider of your family, you're not being responsible. This is, I had all sorts of, and of course I've since broken up with these and you'll understand why in just a moment, but I had all sorts of negative associations. The mere fact that I was even thinking as a husband and a father of applying for food stamps seems like it was the lowest low I could possibly drop to. I mean, it seemed absolutely ridiculous. And in a heart of transparency, authenticity, and the most vulnerable moment of my life, I wrote an email to my Google group, this business advisory team, that mastermind group, this upgraded peer group, if you will, and I poured my heart out and I said, guys, I want your advice. Should I do something else or should I just go ahead and accept this financial assistance if it is available to me? And that guy, the MBA guy, reached out. He was the first one to hit reply and his reply went to everyone. And he says, I'm going to paraphrase, but it was something like, that's it. This is where I draw the line. Cliff, I have never questioned what you've been doing until now. But now at this point, you're several months in, you've eaten through all of your savings. It's very clear you do not have the mindset of a business owner. You are not able to responsibly be the husband and father and provider for your family pursuing this. And I can no longer in good conscience support you in encouraging you to pursue this journey any further. You've given it a go. I think it's time that you go get your job with your dad. Go tomorrow, ask him if you can come back and just consider, hey, you gave it a go. But I can no longer encourage you and I refuse to encourage you any further in the pursuit for which you are going. Now, I read that email response right after he sent it. And it literally ripped my heart out of my body. And it felt like it had been struck with daggers over and over again. I felt all of the stat. And and you know what? He only was saying the same things that I was thinking to myself. Every fear I had, he spoke with the words in that email. And it was about 45 minutes to an hour before anyone else in that group had seen that email and responded. And so I had plenty of time to just let this deflate all hope inside of me. This is the importance of upgrading your peer group. This is the importance of understanding this phrase called the spirit of perfect harmony, surrounding yourself with people who believe in your calling, who see the vision of what it is that you're moving towards, who are willing to support you through every obstacle. This is the need for upgrading your peer group. Now, I will tell you that prior to creating this group, my only peers were all people who would have given me that advice. And I got to tell you, at that moment, I, I, if just one other person in the group would have said, yeah, I'm with him, Cliff, I, you gave it a go. Just one other person. It would have only taken one other person for me to give it all up. 
the vulnerability it took for me to even bring that up, it was the last straw. And then about 45 minutes to an hour after this person responded, the second email came in. And the first line was, get rid of, insert that person's name. Remove him from the group was the next line. By the way, I'm totally paraphrasing everything that happened. I'm just sharing with you what my heart remembers from this. But it was basically like, that guy does not belong in this group. Immediately remove him. Never ask him advice again. Never speak to him about your plans. Never communicate to him about this journey that you are on. Remove him immediately from this group. That is my advice. And then, number two, go apply for food stamps. Go do it this afternoon. Do not wait till tomorrow. You have been an employee for how many decades of your life? Every time you ever received a paycheck, you paid toward that system. That's your money. It's been contributed into a system, whether you believe in the system and its effectiveness or whatever, it was made for people who are in a situation just like you. And not only that, Cliff, you are definitely on the path of success with this business. You are going to succeed beyond your wildest imagination. And one day you will pay more in taxes in a single paycheck than you will ever receive in all of the benefits for however long you stay on that program. Go apply for this food stamps today, but first remove so-and-so from the group. Then eight other people responded right behind that. And it was just agreed, agreed, everything. And it, and it was just on and on. And so I did remove that person. And then I, I called that guy. And he says, Cliff, sorry, it's just how I see it. But anyway, had it not been for this upgrading of my peer group, these other nine individuals who said, no, Cliff, those fears that you have are wrong. Go apply for these food stamps. Go get them. Put the food on your table. Stay focused on what you're doing. Yes, you're struggling right now, but each time you have these mindset shifts, each time you're overcoming limiting beliefs, you're growing, you're moving in the right direction. And lo and behold, I made it through the first year of my business. It was tough. And turns out that after nine months of being on on those food stamps, turns out they had a new form when I went to renew the final time. I'm like, we didn't technically need it the final time, but we thought, you know, it'd be easier if we just had it this one final time and then we'll be done with it. They had a new form to fill out, filled out the form, and there was this new question that wasn't on the old form. It says, do you have a retirement account? And I put yes, and they're like, Uh uh-oh, turns out that if you have a retirement account, you're not eligible for food stamps. This new agent of this government agency says, "Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to report you for fraud. And I'm like, what do you mean you're gonna have to? I've never been asked anything about that, but it's it's, it's the fact that you didn't tell us and and you knew that you had to read. I never thought about it. It's like, we're just going to have to report it and you can explain it to them when they do the fraud investigation. They do the fraud investigation. And I tell them, so I, listen, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I'm not, you know, just tell me what I have to do here. Turns out I wasn't, I, there's no fraud or anything like that. It's on my record. But I, I, I actually had to pay back all nine months worth of benefits. So whatever the monetary value is of those nine months, I had to pay it all back. So guess what? It just so happens, it just so happens that I actually do know the dollar amount 
of the entire nine months worth of benefits. And do you remember what one of those people said? You'll pay more taxes in one paycheck at some point in the future than you will over the entire times into this system. And that has been accurate. And in fact, I've paid many, 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 many multiples of that into that program. But you know what? It's there to serve other people. And that was a part of my journey. So as I wrap up the end of this episode, after telling you this long story, I want to share with you, in my words and in the words of some other people who have influenced me, what is the mastermind principle? The mastermind principle is simply this. It's where two or more people come together in a spirit of perfect harmony, where each person is focused towards the success of a definite desired outcome. In fact, Napoleon Hill very much popularized the concept of the mastermind principle in his book, Think and Grow Rich. He says, the mastermind principle is the principle through which you may borrow and use the education, the experience, the influence, and perhaps even the capital of other people in carrying out your plans in life. And Hill said, the mastermind is the principle in which you can accomplish more in one year than you could ever accomplish without it in a lifetime if you relied entirely on your own efforts for success. I will tell you, if it had not been for that business advisory team, even though there might have been one dissenting opinion who was not in a spirit of perfect harmony and a belief of what my vision of what I was trying to create, had it not been for that group, I did accomplish more in one year than I could have done in a lifetime on my own. I did experience massive success in that first year of business. It set a foundation for what I have in life today. Napoleon Hill also said, when you form a true mastermind alliance with others and work with them in a spirit of perfect harmony, you can draw freely upon the spiritual forces within you in carrying out your plans and desires. Now, there's a whole lot in that statement, and I may devote an entire episode somewhere down the line in this podcast on that alone. Napoleon Hill also said, the mastermind principle can give you absolute protection against failure, provided always that your purpose in using this principle is beneficial to all whom you influence. And I absolutely believe that to be true. But there's a lot of caveats that are included in there. And one of them, by the way, is in this working together in a spirit of perfect harmony. We'll get into all of that in future episodes of this podcast. But I just want to leave you with this. What is a mastermind group? A mastermind group, in my definition, is this. A mastermind group is a group of two or more individuals who are committed to work together in a spirit of perfect harmony where every member is committed to the success of a desired outcome. If you think about it that way, I have been in a 25-year-plus mastermind group relationship with a woman named Stephanie Ravenscraft, and we call it our marriage mastermind. 
<laughs> All right. And there have been various elements throughout your own lifetime when you have been involved in a mastermind group for yourself. For example, have you ever decided to form a study group for a test that was coming up in any subject, in any school or educational situation you've ever been in? Well, if you were a part of a study group that had a desired outcome of passing the test with the best grades as possible, and everybody agreed to come together in a spirit of perfect harmony in preparation for that desired outcome, guess what that is? A mastermind group. Yeah, you've been involved in mastermind groups many times throughout your lifetime. However, this podcast is gonna be devoted moving forward into how you can intentionally, consciously, fully benefit from the whole power of the mastermind principle. Now, I will tell you that overall, when I think of a mastermind group, I think of a mastermind group where, whether it's paid or unpaid, where it's a group of people together, where every member is committed to the success of the desired outcome of every other member. So if you can imagine, most of the time when I say mastermind group, it likely means where it's a group of people where not just one person is the focus where every person is going to be equally having their own desired outcomes, where every member comes together in a spirit of perfect harmony, where every member is committed to the success of every other member. And what I love about mastermind groups is every single member in a mastermind group has their own education. And I'm not just talking about formal education like schooling i'm talking about they have different books they have <laughs> they have the education from the school of hard knocks you might also call that experience but experience can be more than education as well so they every person in a group in a mastermind group has their own education they have their own experience they have their own areas of expertise they have their own skills talents and abilities they have their own resources whether that be capital, such as money or access to software that they'll just say, hey, use this. They might have somebody that's on their team that works for them and say, hey, I've got somebody on my team. They actually have an extra 10, 15 hours a week. Why don't they just work for you? It could be their network. There's. It could be their influence. So many things that every single member of the group has. And just imagine with each additional person that comes into the group, it exponentially increases the educational influence of the group, the the experience influence of the group, the expertise. It's just amazing. Your life will never be the same when you begin to consciously participate in healthy mastermind group alliances. And that is exactly what this podcast is going to continue to produce episodes all about, the power of the mastermind principle and the power of mastermind groups in your own life. Whether you are joining somebody else's mastermind group, whether it be free or paid, whether you facilitate your own mastermind group and invite people in, whether that be free or paid. I have lots of experience. I can't wait to share with you more about how to maximize the impact and the power of the mastermind principle in your life. Hey, I told you a little bit in this story about how I did not discover the phrase mastermind group or the mastermind principle until well into my business journey. However, 
in hindsight, connecting the dots back, I now told you a story about how I implemented the mastermind principle and a mastermind group very effectively in the transition from the mindset of an employee to the mindset of a self-employed business owner and how I would have never made it in the pursuit of my business. I would have given up, just like the statistics say, most businesses fail within their first year. And certainly very few ever, 4%, I think, make it to 10 years. So I would have never made it had I not had the mastermind group. But also, I go further back. I've done the math. I have more than 30 years of experience in effectively using the mastermind principle and very specifically, mastermind groups in getting pretty much anything and everything I've ever wanted out of life. And so I can't wait to share more stories with you. So yeah, make sure to subscribe today. Also, another purpose for this podcast is for me to promote my own paid mastermind groups. You can get by through life without being in one of my paid mastermind group environments. But there are benefits that come with being in my mastermind group environments. Imagine with 30 years of experience, I've made a ton of very stupid mistakes when it comes to mastermind groups. And the environments that I create today are exponentially more powerful than they were many, many years ago. And so what I will tell you is that I started what my current version of paid mastermind groups are. They're called the Next Level Mastermind. And I started these back in November 2017. I'm almost now to four years and I've generated just about a million dollars in revenue through this one stream of income in my business, facilitating two mastermind groups a week. So I have experience at coming from this from an income generation, a stream of revenue where you can support and encourage and help other people in various transitions in their life. It is incredibly powerful, and if you want to learn more about the environments that I have available for you, check out nextlevelmastermind.info, or head over to cliffravenscraft.com. Just click the Work With Me page. You'll find what you're looking for there. I am going to close this episode out with a testimonial, and this testimonial is going to be coming from Mike Skiff, who was a part of the Next Level Mastermind for two years He was asked, what would you say to somebody who is thinking about joining and investing financially and participating in my paid mastermind group environment called the Next Level Mastermind? And here is what Mike had to say. There are some people out there who may be thinking about the Next Level Mastermind or engaging me in one-on-one coaching for, let's just say, a one-year commitment. What would you say to somebody who is thinking about that but hasn't yet made the decision to go all in on it? It's very simple. Just do it. It is the best decision I made for, not even just for my business. Now, I know the focus is on business and that's important and it did impact my business significantly, but I'd say, Cliff, you've you've given more to me personally than I could ever pay you or thank you for in figuring out things about who I am and what my value is in this world and how I can show up in a spirit of love and forgiveness and and hope. If you're thinking about, will this add any sort of value to my business? The answer is yes, it absolutely will. But I'd say more importantly, your life will be transformed 
just by being in a group of people that it's the old adage that iron sharpens iron, but I don't even think that does it justice. You know, you've got yourself, Cliff, who you are probably the most generous person I've met and you truly love and care for the people that you are interacting with. There is no, like, you're just checking the box showing up and let's get through this and get on to the next thing. There's a saying that an older friend of mine says all the time, and it reminds me of you. And he says, be where your feet are. The meaning of that, of course, is we have all these things distracting us at any given moment. What would happen if you stopped all that and you just, you be present where you are and you are so you're masterful at that. You're present in the group, you're present outside of the group. And so long-winded answer, if you're thinking about it or you're on the fence, I highly encourage you to make the leap. You won't regret the investment financially, but you will, you will reap the rewards personally and professionally. Well, there you go, my friends. I am so excited to have brought you this very first episode of the Upgrade Your Peer Group podcast. If you have enjoyed this, I do encourage you to subscribe to the podcast today. It's available in all of your favorite podcast directories or at UpgradeYourPeerGroup.com. Of course, feel free to share it with somebody you know that might benefit from upgrading their peer group as well. If you would like to learn more about my own paid facilitated mastermind group alliances, you can learn more and apply today at nextlevelmastermind.info. Again, that's nextlevelmastermind.info. If you've never used a .info domain, you could just go to cliffravenscraft.com, click the work with me tab, you'll find what you're looking for. And until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Hey, before you go, I just want to let you know that was the end of the very first episode of the Upgrade Your Peer Group podcast. There is going to be several more episodes coming. In fact, episode number two is already online over at UpgradeYourPeerGroup.com. I strongly encourage you to check out episode number two, a conversation that Pat Flynn and I had talking about the origin story, how we met, how our friendship developed, why we decided to enter into a mastermind group alliance relationship together, and it's just a powerful story. There's even more to it than that. Go check it out. Episode number two, UpgradeYourPeerGroup.com, or just search for Upgrade Your Peer Group in your favorite podcast directory. Subscribe today. A lot more on this topic coming in that podcast feed. Mindset and